pronounce your name? Mr. No Show, what's good, man? No Show, how's it going? My man, Mr. No Show, they already know, though, what is good, baby? Uh, I'm seeing your hustle on Instagram. You're amazing, you've been killing it, you stay killing it. Hey, Mr. No Show, thank you for your positivity and always sharing those funny videos. What's up, Mr. No Show? He's a hard-working brother. I know you up to something real special. All right, Mr. No Show. Man, you a motherfucking beast on here. You are really, really creating a world, a mental picture in my head strictly from audio. Show love. Show love. Show Mr. No Show. Keep making history. Super salute and love. What up, Queenie? What up, what up, what up, what up? On the way home, your your boyfriend was actually your boyfriend was on the way to your house at the time. And he was shot and killed. What were you going through at that time? I mean, you were expecting somebody um, to show up. You were like, yo, this motherfucker ain't show up yet. Where the hell is he? You know? So honestly, I was I was at home and normally he always had me waiting, because you know that's how people are. They all niggas always got you waiting. So I was frustrated you know and then i was this is when we had um myspace i was on myspace and i was like writing out something you know like throwing shade at him like you know people always got you waiting then i end up getting a phone call from my sister who was at her grandfather's house which was around the corner who witnessed all of this happen so i went from angry to immediately feeling scared and nervous but when i got the phone call it was he's good he's talking everything's okay you know don't worry about it and then hours later is when I found out that he had Whoa. So your whole life basically just went on pause as soon as you heard that. Second, yeah, but it was kind of an eye-opener for me. Um, it Like, everything that I go through, I try to see a silver lining in it, and I learned a lot from myself that day. Back then, I was very shy. It was a lot of things that I wanted to say to him, and I guess what what really hurt me the most is the fact that he never knew how I felt because I was too shy to tell him. He was like one of my first boyfriends and I really liked him, you know, but I never had the courage to come out and say that. So since that experience, I never hold my tongue now. So you've you've learned that the words you speak can also make somebody's day and also it can hurt you if you don't say the right thing. I'm very aware now, you know, that words affect people. That's why I'm cautious about the things that I say and the things that people do and say around me. Damn. Oh, my God, man. You know, and it's and it becomes of us, you know what I'm saying? Like, to the point where when we smoke weed, it's never that we want to or we tend to have that interest, like, yo, I'm going to smoke weed today. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. No, and then moreover, that year when I lost him, I also lost a cousin to gang violence. I had a godbrother 
Um, this all happened like within three to four years. I had a god brother who passed away from natural causes. Then I lost a few of um, the matriarchs of my family, like went to and confided in. So weed for me was an outlet. On top of the fact that I suffer from major social anxiety, like today I didn't smoke because I wanted to focus on homework. But before I come to work, otherwise I'm going to be on edge or I'm going to be antsy. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, honestly, Queen, there'd be times where I end up going to work high as shit. And even when I was in college, I went to college high as shit. Like, it was a point where when I'm smoking, I'm not only more focused in the classroom or at the job, I'm more to what I'm doing with the task. And that's what kind of helped me find that when I smoke weed and I'm creative, it, it adds a little more spice to the cooking you know what i'm saying right and sometimes it's hard to really say that hey uh it's because of marijuana and then it's sometimes it's hard to say like man i can use some marijuana and then i'm looking at it like yo how can i incorporate my life of today without marijuana what would i what would i be doing what would i be what would i be living like and i think i would still be living the same but i might be dealing with a lot more mental stability than i am now and I would honestly say that marijuana has helped me calm my emotions down, see a different perspective in some light. Right. I'm going to say this. So I'm taking a drug addiction class, right? Now, get it. I smoke every day, but I don't encourage anyone to smoke. Just how you say, you know, I don't promote it. But I will say this. What we don't realize is when we're putting these things into our bodies, they're having chemical effects on our brains. So there's a lot of neurotransmitters that help us with, like, our dopamine and help us relax and stuff like that. Me and you, because we've been smoking so much, we don't have all of those neurotransmitters anymore so it's like you could do everything that you're doing with the weed but because you done messed yourself up so much it's going to be much harder to do it without the weed so what do you mean but uh, it so, doesn't mean that it's not you're not capable of it no it just it just makes it a, more of a coping mechanism is what you're saying exactly however the thing is we have natural coping mechanisms so the moment that we decide okay i don't want to cope on my own i'm going to go smoke a blunt you're fucking up your natural coping mechanisms and then after so many years of constantly smoking you no longer have those coping mechanisms and you have to rebuild them but that rebuilding you feel me we done damaged this over years it's not going to come back overnight you know it's going to take time so let me ask you this queen since the, the ability of our human anatomy are we because from when i was young there was like yo man if you quit smoking your lungs start regenerating itself and it'll be back to normal within like 40 something years or something like that is this the same principle and concept with the, the inhibitors in our brain and the, the neural exactly exactly anything that you damage your liver your lungs your kit anything you damage even your brain can be rebuilt but you have to be taking the steps to rebuild it you know you can't say okay i want to learn how to cope on my own but i'm about to go smoke an eighth today it don't work that way all right, yo, real quick, everybody in the room, if anybody has experienced loss or heavy style-like trauma in their life, please drop the smoke cloud in the room if you use marijuana to cope with that. I'm, I'm curious now. I want to see how many people in the room have smoked during some serious trauma. Yo, Queen says so. Yo, Mesmer has. Yo, honestly, man. I think... This I is what I you have. don't... People don't realize. Addiction, a lot of addiction starts from trauma because it's easy to pick up a bottle or pick up a blunt when you're going through things. So like when you look at the facts and you look at like, um, you know, uh, if you look at research, a lot of addiction is stemmed from trauma. You know, like you said, we don't just wake up in the morning 
and go, hey, we we're going to we want to be drug addicts today. We go through traumatic events that make us feel that we need that drug or we need that bottle to cope with it. And that's why I always speak about um, us thriving off emotion. A lot of people think with emotion instead of logic, and that's another reason why we get caught up. And I, I think that's probably one of the hardest things that you know we have to accept is dealing with the real life situations, man. And sometimes, like I, when my mother died, I didn't resort to smoking weed immediately. You know, right. that's why today I feel like I'm able to handle her death more so than I would if I was to hit the bowl, hit the bong back to back during the time that she was getting buried or put in the ground. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but Queen. I know exactly what I'm All right. I know you want, we want to keep it here before you kick me off. When, you know what? Never mind. I forgot what I was going to say. Thanks for letting me speak. <laughs> Yeah, I respect it though. It's all love. <laughs> I feel like that too. <laughs> right. Thanks though. But I do what I do want to say is, you know, but like you said, I feel like when, when we get to it's not the fact that she passed, it's probably was one of those nights where you were missing her and you felt like you didn't have anybody that made you pick up that blunt. You see what I'm saying? Kinda like um like somebody to really sit there and talk to me because I did kinda lose a lot of my friends. Um, at that time. Yeah, it's, it's when you get to, it's not necessarily going through those events. It's when you get to one of your lowest points after those traumatic events that kind of pushes you to it. You know, because like, okay, you dealt with her death. You go, hey, I was strong enough. I did that. But now a few weeks, few months down the line, you don't have any friends. You have no one to talk to. All you have is a blunt to cope with. It's easy to resort to that, you know? But what I want people to realize is it's very important that we don't come codependent on these substances because what happens when you can't reach it, you you know? Like right now when it's quarantine and it's hard to get your D-boy that's in the state that's not legal. Exactly. <laughs> and then, you know, you're snapping on people because you're sober and you want to get high and you can't, you know? And this is coming from somebody who smokes weed every single day. And all of these right. things I'm speaking into y'all is what I'm working on myself, you know? Yeah, yeah. Of course. Of course. I wouldn't see it any other way because I still have to fight myself at certain times. Like, yo, my kids is driving me batshit crazy. Yo, I need a blunt. I need a blunt. Let me get a blunt. But here's here, here's here's the funny thing, Queen. Before we go, before mm -hmm. I really got heavy into smoking weed, my thing was working out. My thing was running. My thing was getting out there and being in the environment and just enjoying my nature. When it came to it, so much stress between work, people at the job. You know how toxic people at the job can be. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then the side note, you also had to deal with family situations. And it was just all coming down all at once. And I was like, you know, working out, my body's feeling it. I'm sore, but I'm still mentally structured to a point where I need to get some weed. So mm -hmm. I, dig it. I dig it. It's easier to um, it's easier to cope with substances, but just have faith in yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, we and have... I'm going to leave y'all with that. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to say thank you for tuning in to the No Show Theater. Today, I have an amazing guest. I mean, if it's not amazing to say it's amazing, then you're really wrong in your own literature. But today, this man has created a sound that the industry has needed to hear for years, in my opinion. And on the line with me is one of the new up-and-coming legends, in my opinion, Smokey Vintage. Yo, 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 what's good, everybody? This is Smokey Vintage, straight out of East Atlanta. Um, you can find all my music on uh, all streaming platforms, from Tidal to Apple Music, Spotify. Uh, yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah, get it. So, all y'all that are sleeping, y'all need to pay attention because this man is putting his music out. And 
I promise you, the words, the significance, the beats, the texture, the contrast, the highlighted elements of the message, it's all there. So tune in to Smokey V. Let's go. A little more time. 
got a phone call from Emo. Emo, what up, big dog? Welcome to the No Show Theater. How you doing? How you doing? Yo. <laughs> so tell me, your first time wondering about marijuana. Um, it would probably actually be a few months ago. Ooh, so this is new now. So you've never smoked a blunt, never smoked a bong, never toted the joint? Nope. So be, growing up, let me ask you this, growing up around it, it kind of got you curious about what it does and how it feels because, you know, a lot of people don't grow up around it. But Well, mostly because it was my mom's side and my dad never really was around this stuff. Uh-huh. Up in Minnesota where my mom, I would always be sitting there at the kitchen table and I'd see them rolling these blunts and I would be curious. They did it right in front of you? Yeah, because I was like four or five at the time. I never knew what that was. So, I mean, did you think they were just, just having fun playing with some kind of grass outside and brought it in? I mean, like, that's, that stuff was, like, mixed in with, like, tobacco, so it looked like cigarette and tobacco. So, I just think they're rolling their own cigarettes trying to save money. Oh, yo, that was a big thing, too. People used to love rolling their own cigarettes. Not As I got older, I kind of started smelling it around the house, and, like, that does not smell. <laughs> so, everybody on your mom's side was introducing you to cannabis low-key. Yeah. But your pops, is he against smoking weed, or is he just against you smoking weed? He's just against me smoking weed. You know, he's been in a lot of shit as he was younger. He used to be in a gang, and he's just trying to... Trying to raise you, right? He's trying to he's trying to raise you right. I, I get it. And uh, the biggest issue is the fact that my stepmom is a cop. So. What? You got a prescription for this? Yeah. Where is it? Uh. Where is it? It's 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 uh. Where? 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 Oh, where? Where? I take your ass, dear. You know that? Well, what? I, for what? I, Look at this. That's just not my cigarette. This cigarette weed. Yo, so my question is, if for all the cops that are out there and their family smokes weed, now that it's legal, does anybody ever look at you weird because you've thought about smoking or did you even talk, have a conversation to your parents about smoking weed, honestly? No, I haven't. I never even expressed it to my friends, like, because they used to smoke weed like a ton. They'd always come to school high and... Or they literally smoke in, they'll smoke in the theater, they'll smoke in the bathroom. One of the custodians actually smokes, so you can smell that around the school. Dang. So this is how it actually happened for you. you just been involved into the whole atmosphere of smoking weed. Now you're kind of like, I wonder what it is. Yeah, Ann Capone says peer pressure. I mean, are they pressuring you to try to smoke weed? Well, no. I've been around it so much and I've seen like what it does to people a bit. So what has it done to your friends? Like what, I mean, obviously it's made you interested into it. So what have your friends done to make you really? I have a friend who's kind of been like really, he's really like closeted. He doesn't talk much, but like if he comes to school high, he just seems like a completely different person. He's laughing loudly. He's having so much conversation. He's giving out hugs for some reason. Is he okay? Yo, honestly, if you do choose to smoke weed, so you have ne you've never puffed a blunt, never puffed any kind of weed ever, right? No. 
All right. So I would like to say that if you do choose to do this on your own free will, I'm not advocating that you do or don't. I'm just saying if you do tend, tend to go this way, start slow. Do not jump in head first. You know what I'm saying? And don't feel peer pressured. If today is not the day you want to do it, don't do it because your friends are telling you to do it. You know what I mean? I just want you to acknowledge that you have the potential, you have the power, and you have the decision to make it on your own. You feel me? Yo, email. Thank you for so. Thank you for calling me and email. It's an honor to have you here. <laughs> no problem. Thank you so much. Smoke weed every day. <laughs> Tell me, man, what about hip hop today and its social media presence? Do you feel justifying artists or is it 
kind of ruining the industry? I feel like both of those answers are correct. I feel like it's justifying artists, but at the same time, it ruins the industry in some ways, not in all ways. But I just start with the justifying part. The justifying part is that social media now, it gives artists a chance to really be independent. I can talk, I can say that from a personal experience because everything I do is from in-house, from the production to the videos, to just everything. So, and then me, me being able to put my stuff straight on to iTunes or Spotify or whatever and then be able to put my videos on YouTube or Facebook or uh, Instagram, social media, you know, it gave me that platform to be able to do that without having to go to a record label and wait for my song to get on the radio and different things like that because now social media is the new radio it is the new TV and so now everybody has a chance to do however they want to do and curate it to however they want to do it now the other side to that which is how is it ruining in the industry I would say now due to the fact that everybody uh, has it at their hands you got inexperienced people doing it too so therefore you have a lot of uh, lackluster in the industry at the same time because what's happening now is that uh, it might be somebody it might be an artist who just been rapping for a week but he put a video up and go viral and now now he gets a deal but he, he don't have no artist development you know he don't know how to perform he don't know how to interview none of that stuff don't know how to write song so therefore he need ghostwriters or whatever the case may be which you know that's cool in some cases but basically it it takes away from the development pretty much is what i'm saying it's like anybody can just hop in and do what they want so yeah this is both sides and that's that's why i find it kind of more scary because we all have that capability but then i see the succession in that part because it weeds out the true, I guess, generational level of what people are wanting, like the market. And it kind of shows you where people are at as far as content and lyrics. And it feels like the the market for content and deep depth of, you know, the, the resonance and the songs and the music that you're putting out there that's showing like you actually have meaning to what you're saying is dropping. And I feel like this new swing in music that's coming back is coming from underneath what was just terrible in my opinion for the last 15 years and yeah. but I also say it's also the 90s fault because when you got like Bone Thugs and Harmony coming into the game and they literally showed you how they came in they went to shows they got put on by Easy e and traveled and toured with this artist and they went yeah. through the underground right now you, you're not even on the underground you're on the mainstream and that's the platform that you've been given so when you say or when, when I ask like justifying what's the balance man in between that justification because I can put out a song it gets right. about a certain amount of plays but I still get paid for it you know what I'm saying it may right. not be a lot of money but it's a little money right. but then again that kind of builds that mindset like I have potential I can keep doing it so there's no there's no cap space man and I feel like the industry is taking a whole new spin and I just don't know where that's going to go. I was just wondering, where do you feel the industry is leading you right now with all the social media and all the, the potential that is coming into the social media? Um, How is it? Wait, wait, where do I think it's leading? Me personally or just the industry, period? Just you personally, because the justification is what you said. It's showcasing everyone's ability, talent, and you're able to, okay, it's like a it's like a floodgate, you know? It's going to look like Hurricane Katrina, the way the, the water's coming up and spinning. Like everybody has right. this flood of content and it's just you right. go on to like Spotify, you see like 20,000, 50,000 podcasters. Right. I, I would say uh, to, the la- to the last part of that, yeah, of course, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of um, 
pod, podcasters out here, a lot of artists, a lot of producers, a lot of that. Um, but I would say the most important part to me personally and um, the thing I feel like the justifying part is it's all about authenticity because it, it's always going to be somebody who has an idea that's slightly like ours, but at the end of the day, it's never going to be exactly like yours. If yours is true and real and it's, and it's authentic and it's, you know, and it's honest, then it, 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 it's, it's going to come off in a way that nobody else can do. It may be, and like I said, y'all may be doing the same exact thing. It's just like, I put it like this. You may have two two sweet potato pies made by two different people. Yeah, they made the same thing, but them motherfuckers are going to taste different. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so and, and, and because because of the ingredients that each person put into it, so it's, it's going to be authentic to that person. So, therefore, when it comes to our ideas or whatever we are creating, it's just about how authentic you're going to be. It's just like a lot of rappers, they talk about the same, a lot of us talk about the same subject, but it's about, okay, but how, how are you going to talk about it? It's like, every rapper done had a song about money. Yeah, it's like, of the course. skill for rappers, it's, it's a certain way that they may talk about the money or making the money that makes it different from this other person's song who's just talking about making it right, like everybody else. So it's just all about finding, I feel like, your authentic pocket to really, to really fit into is where, where it's going to justify and really not even really looking to see well, of course you want to always have your into the streets and know what everybody else is doing, but not so much looking into it uh, as to where, you know, you're not, you, you're not really focusing on what your pocket is. And so, yeah, that's how I, that's how I feel about as far as the saturation part of it. You just got to be authentic with whatever, you, whatever it is that you're doing. So let's go ahead and jump into it then. Who's your favorite rapper? Let's go ahead and put it out there. Who's your favorite artist? Not just rapper, artist, band, group, a musician. Do you have one? Or do you have several? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, Kendrick Lamar, he definitely my top pick right now. Definitely my top pick. Do you think he changed the game the way he, he produces his music? Um, the art of storytelling? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, 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 definitely. I, I, I also feel like he changed the narrative of that whole you can't be lyrical and mainstream or you can't really have a message and be mainstream. It's like, yeah, Kendrick Lamar, he may not be like as big as Drake, but at the end of the day, he's still within that top tier realm. You know, it, so I feel like he, he, he's broken that. Him and Cole, they, they've broken that barrier of you can't you can't be mainstream, you can't be a household name without just making radio songs all the time. So like, yeah, I definitely feel like he changed the game with what he's doing. See, now I looked at it like I love Kendrick, and that's why I agree with you. And then I looked into my own agreements with this, and I'm like, what What made Kendrick or what made his sound so relative? Then I'm thinking these lyrics has always been in this genre. This is what the real storytelling of hip hop should be. And I'm like, oh, damn, I love it. And then I thought about Lupe. I'm like his his authenticity is so different, but it speaks in different problems, but the same narrative, just as you said. So when I grew up, I listened to a lot of Lupe, and I I looked at some of his lyrics and the words that he was saying. It was like you sleep on it, like the way he was he would rap it. Most of these most of these people would sleep on it, man. And that's why I look at Kendrick. I'm like, yo, they're sleeping on the way he's really writing his words and the way he uses enunciations in those words. So when he's making a song, you got to look up what word was that he. Said? It sounded like he said something, but then it didn't really sound like he said something. When you find it, it's like, yo, this is crazy. But let me ask you this, man. When you look at the ideal of making music and its rewards, would you still be making music even if there was no materialistic value or satisfaction given? Oh, yeah, that's, that's definitely. Um, 
I've been I've been doing music since I came out the womb, pretty much. Uh, so it's it's it's, it's Music for me is it's, it's a part of me, like it's a part of my personality. Like it's it's it's, something, it's almost like an addiction for me. Like I can't go a day without doing something. I gotta write a verse. I gotta make a beat. I got, I, I do something musically every day, even if I don't complete a full song. Or it's, it's I gotta put a bar, whatever. I gotta do something. So, so do you always carry um, a pen yeah. with you, or a pad, or do you write in your phone? Yeah, 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 definitely. Since I always got the phone with me, it's just the most handy thing I um. So you you do music regardless of its rewards. You do it just because it's it's within you and you have this longing to do it. That's when I look at some of the, the facades that I see out here, you know, um, showing the floss and the money, trying to present this ideal image. You know, me being um, very conscious about that and how you, you know, conduct the way you spend your money, where you put your money, how you invest your money. I, I never get that narrative, man. So when, when I start hearing people splurging and doing all that, I get it in my mind, like it kind of loses me. And I don't have a problem with people saying it because, you know, people enjoy doing that. That's that's just part of the, the earthly rotation. There are some forces out there that, that enjoy that balance. But when I, when I start hearing music, I kind of like to hear the pain, the truth, the, the underlying, you know, deceit that happened without subconsciously knowing. Like when you hear the lyrics, it really it hones you in to even forget that you're even in a materialistic setting, you know? So when I hear music and I heard your, hear your songs, man, it's just like you got depth and you got character to it. So let me ask you, when you get the idea to, to make music and you want to share your message to your audience, what is your overall approach to the sound? Could it be because it's the, the moment? Could it be because, you know, you acknowledge that you're you're different and you're genuine to a certain situation? What is it, man? I, I have a couple of different approaches, but my overall approach is, I, it's really like okay when I'm when I'm when I'm producing or whatnot. Most of the time, the song comes songs come to me as I'm producing, and like with each with each beat, of course, it has a different mood, different emotion, or whatever. So that's that's pretty much what I start with first. Like okay, how is this beat making me feel? How is this production making me feel? Mm-hmm. Then from there, I can kind of like grab out of that maybe even either from the, from personal experience or from somebody else's experience where I've been around. Um, I can grab something for that. And that's, that's only one approach, because sometimes songs come to me before I even get to the studio. Like, and, that, and that's another thing that I do, too, is I voice memo my ideas. So I might even have a, a whole beat, a whole melody in my head, and shoot, sometimes a whole verse, and I'll just voice memo it. Then when I get to the studio, I'll lay everything down. So yeah, it's, it's, it's different approaches to it. When was the first time you smoked weed? When was the first time? I was 16. Ooh, you were 16 when you first inhaled? Yeah. So how did that come about? How did that happen? Like, did you, were you around it? So I was dating the neighbor boy. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we took a casual walk to uh, 
like the green belt area, the water retention place where the, all of Arizona streets flood uh, when we do get rain. And yeah, I got to sit there and smoke weed and experience watching the stars and realize that anxiety was something I could treat. And that was pretty awesome. So I didn't get the weed talk, though. Let me tell you, I didn't get any drug talk so much as, like, you really shouldn't do that. It's bad because both my parents (laughs) are hypocrites, you know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so, I mean, that summer ended, and um, it was fun. And then I don't think I started smoking again until following year or something like that. But, but yeah, I take cannabis by, and I say take it like medicine because I do. And I recently I started smoking again because edibles stop working <laughs> oh wow wait so wait a minute hold on real quick I, I heard something interesting so you said you smoked because you had a lot of anxiety right yeah yo that is epic so it's for everybody in the room who's never smoked before like toxic fox um it is a good reason why it is becoming legal because people who do have anxiety or you know issues with pain um mesmer is a good story about it please mesmer tell them why it is that you continue to smoke well i i smoke occasionally but edibles they relieve my pain on a deeper level uh it's not the same high at all especially if you cook it right (laughs) um if you make your cookies right but i think the type of anxiety that tends to help alleviate is uh the type associated with ptsd and that's actually something you can apply for to get your marijuana card in arizona as well as the chronic pain how much do you spend on a year to get the card Ooh, it used to be a 300 a year now it's 300 every two years so that's not bad that's what three so it's 300 so it's 150 for basically every year yes it's nice now because the marijuana went up a bit and I'm not really sure if that's to balance things out but I hope things settle and there's more availability for the things that I get I save a ton of money by making my own edibles too because they charge too much at the dispensaries whoa 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 so you make your own edibles for real yeah how long Saf live on a live cast last night I instructed her on how to decarboxylate your marijuana before you make it into butter you said decarboxylate decarboxylate boxylate what the hell does that mean for us non at home Uh, crafters THCA I think is the little like letter lowercase letter next to THC is it's what your body absorbs when you smoke now when you decarboxylate or bring it up to the right temperature before putting it in your butter then it turns into THC which your body better absorbs um, and sticks to some kind of receptors so you get a whole different kind of high which is why edibles can really knock you on your ass if you have too much but if you medicate correctly and not try to just have a party it can do a lot to alleviate pain depression anxiety give you a sense of appetite if you're sick all kinds of shit so. <laughs> so the first time you smoked weed it was because your your neighbor it wasn't because you were tempted to do it it was because it was there at the time and you were like hey i'll try it yeah and it was an amazing experience i think um yeah, I wish somebody had talked to me about it, like, more legit, like, but, you know, we live in different times now. <laughs> now, okay, Mez, you got you got babies, Mez. You have babies, so a- answer me this, Mez. What happens when your kid comes up to you and sees you smoking weed or, or rolling up a blunt or making your own edibles? What do you tell your kid, and what happens if your son actually or daughter takes that medicine and doesn't let you know? What do you, How do you feel about that? 
So I have to say, I probably have the mom vibes about me, and I am a mom, but I'm a mom without a son. So I just have to say that. But if, if my son had come up to me and asked me that, um, I'd explain it and just, I don't know. I think that's the best way. Kids understand honesty. They do. And, yeah, I mean... Because me being, I, I mean, me being a dad um, and a cannabis user, I don't see an issue with it. Like, if they came to me and was like, hey, dad, tell me more about smoking weed. I'd be like, you know what? What do you want to know? Like, I'd literally sit there and listen to what the questions they've had, they have just to find myself. OK, this might be a perfect opportunity to either steer them away or, you know, teach them. So I don't think I would ever push them away from the idea, but I would let them make their own decision. But when it comes to any other drug, though, I am not an advocate for it. I'd be like, yo, be careful drinking alcohol. Seriously, careful. With your f- yeah. <laughs> or when it comes down to it, but yo, be careful with the people um, who, who's doing the Cinderella or, you know, what I'm saying the, the hero cape and anything of that nature just don't do that shrooms i'm definitely okay with anything that grows from natural um soil i'm okay with majority of the time but when it's chemically enhanced i am not okay yeah yeah i get you and i've been down the chemically enhanced road before um you know and i am on that road too to treat depression because it got so bad last year and i'm hoping i won't need medication when I can get other help. Um, so I understand how that happens, but if we can talk to our kids about it, maybe, you know, maybe they'll listen. Maybe, yeah, yo, did you ever listen to your parents when they told you don't do drugs? Or did you listen to the, the, the D.A.R.E. program and say, don't do drugs? <laughs> Yeah, when honestly, that's what got me into it. it was like they was like, "All right, kids, don't do drugs." I'm like, "Drugs?" <laughs> like, yeah, teaching me this at the very school that enforced like a strict stand in line wherever you go and wait all the time. Like, it really bothered me. Too. I was like, "This is kind of weird," but I don't think it had the effect it wanted. That was really a joke. Yeah, there is. I don't know. There's so many so many ways you can really go about it, though. Honestly, there's so many ways. And a lot of people can either choose to ignore telling your kids or can ignore um, the whole ideal behind it. Because right now, we all know it's so much more closer to getting legal in every state to the point where they're going to go to the store when they graduate high school or when they're even in high school, they're going to smoke before they go to class. It's going to get more recreational like cigarettes. But here's the deal, though. Even really addictive, dangerous drugs can be curbed by becoming more socially acceptable. The use of it actually drops. And they've proven this in other countries that has their financial shit together. They have like drop boxes where people can drop their needles for heroin and it's not to promote it, but it's to promote safety. And the numbers of use dropped. The numbers of deaths dropped. All kinds of things. So when we have knowledge, we have power. Taking the time out to come in. Big shout outs. What's going on? Tell everybody who you are. What's up, everybody? My name is Russ Guys from Chicago, Illinois. Enjoying this 2020 legalization. <laughs> yeah. You... I've been enjoying it. You, you guys just became legal, right? Fully legal recruit. 
recreation. You know, most people here have been smoking forever, and police didn't even mind before 2020. So that was good. Okay, go ahead and tell us about you, though, bro. So my first experience with marijuana was in, when I was 11. I'm 24 now. And back then, I, I basically grew up in a home with the smell. So it's like I already knew smelled it as a grown man. Well, as grown at 11, it was like, man, I know the smell. <laughs> and I just didn't know why I liked it. It just smells like this marijuana smell. No, it just has something beautiful with the smell. You just like, man, smell a cigarette. You're like, man, I want to be around that baseball marijuana. You're like, man, I need to see what that is. <laughs> so, for up, so I smoked it, and I'm like, damn. And I used to have, like, I grew up kind of like in a broken home, but not as much. I call it like crazy shit, but, I, it, you know, as kids, you still get depressed when you don't see shit, like, happening like a normal life. You know, in Chicago, it's always a lot of death, shooting, whatever. So you see a lot of that stuff early on, so, you know, so you're introduced to death early, so you know, like, so, you know, everybody knows. So when I smoked marijuana, it was like, I used to be depressed at that age. I didn't know why. Probably was something that was already kept in my head and imbalanced. But when I smoked, it's like, it made your life feel more positive. Like, it's worth, like, damn, these problems don't even matter. You know, this life is just so much bigger. And then you could enjoy everything from food to music to just life. You know, if somebody could be making you mad, aggravated, whatever, you smoke a hit, you go to your car, smoke a hit, come back, you're like, you know what, that wasn't even, any even worth fighting. What's good, you know? We're living, let's enjoy life. So, when I felt that at 11, I'm like, I knew something special. I knew and it was still illegal. People used to look at marijuana around that time like it was crack, you know? Like it was crack. Like you smoke weed, you're just, your life's over. <laughs> you know, you're fucked. You're, you're fucked, basically. For real. Yeah. And you know, my parents kicked me out of my house at 13. Wait, 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 wait. Hold up. Hold up. Let's, let's, let's look at that real quick. Wait, your parents kicked you out of the house at what age? 13. Well, my dad, because I didn't live with my mom. I only lived with, like, either you stop smoking weed or you get kicked out. And I was like, if I stop smoking weed, I'm, nine times out of ten, I'm going to go back to feeling my old reality, you know, just being, not the, I wasn't depressed, like, all oh, depressed, all oh, depressed work. I would live life, but inside I'll be like, you know, I don't know, it's empty. I'm just like, whatever, you know, I don't care. But when I smoke, it gave me, like, I don't know, it just gave me uh, creativity in my mind. It gave me, like, different types of perspectives in my mind, and I'm like, I like those. So I, I started moving from that type of mind, and it led me to more opportunities, more people, more vibes, that, that you know, life, everything in life is connected. So it's all about law of attraction. If you think it, you you live it. If you want it, you get it. So yeah. At that moment, so my parents said, well, he said, I stopped smoking. And I'm like, what's different? You're still going to be living this. So whatever. I, I chose marijuana and he kicked me out. So I, I live in Chicago. So, you know, in Chicago around that time, even now, it's a lot of game being and stuff like that. So he kicked me out of my house to go to the streets. And I got, and then, you know, so that's how that started for me. So, yo, let me let me ask you this. Let me ask you this real quick, man. Um, from the time that you were introduced to marijuana, the time that you found that it helped you with your depression, your, you know what I'm saying, your anxiety, um, when did you realize that being out on the street smoking marijuana became an issue for you? Because you're talking about if you smoke in my house, you got to get out. And I know Chicago. I'm, I know a lot of people from Chicago. It's, it's cold as hell. And it's violent as fuck. <laughs> but for you to be kicked out at the age of what, 13? 
Yo, how was that on you on your mental game? What was it like? I don't even know, bro. It's like at that age, I knew it was normal because it was kind of because I seen other kids on the streets like that on the streets, but not kicked out. You know, to the extent of getting kicked out from your home, I I never seen that. But to the extent of seeing a lot of kids on the street as well, like they'll be at their home and their parents, but they'll be out on the streets. So for me, it was like going out there. It was like I would learn from them because it was they were veterans compared to me. Cause I always been home. So when I got there, my brother. He's not my real brother by blood, but his mom mm-hmm. actually let me live in their house at 13, and then they, and that's how I grew that relationship with them to be my my brother and my mom and stuff. But him, he been there since all his life, and I had that life in my family as well. But my parents always, my dad always try to take me away from that, but not in a good way. In the way we're like, oh, they're bad people, stay away from that. But those bad people, he was calling my my family were bad. So how are you gonna stay away from your own family? So I will always go back to them. So. Mentally, my head was loud because I was like in my first shootout at 13, like where I was, not me shooting, but I was just walking down the street and then guys would just pull up and start shooting. And, you know, my first shootout that I was involved, I was just standing still, like, I don't know what's going on. And my brother came up to me and just like, get down and pull me down. And then after that, it's like, any experience after that that I felt, is like, I gave more, it's more of army military type of mind the first time you're there you're just like shocked like everything's shocking you hear that ringing in your ears and everything's going slow but after that first time it's just like you just start reacting like gotta go down or whatever the situation is so for me like i just got smarter in the street wise but marijuana always been there you feel me hot but just because i was doing that they led me towards a different road that i wasn't trying to go to because i used to just play video games and just stay home and smoke yeah. And then I got kicked out, but to go to the street, I had no choice but to make my mind on it because if now I'm gonna get killed, and it's not because I'm looking for it. Anybody was getting killed around that time. You go back to 2012, and I was 15 around that time. I had friends that were getting killed left and right. People that weren't even involved in it getting killed, and the people I didn't know were getting killed. And it was like, hey, it was crazy. And that's when I started going into more into music, and I started rapping, and I was just trying to talk some positive out of my city because it was just more negative everything like we're all killers all bad people or drug dealers or whatever the point is you know everybody sees it on the media but it wasn't that you know it was that I ain't gonna lie I'm not gonna stun and say it wasn't that too but there's always another side to the same story you know there's a reason why people act like that it's not just waking up and let me go be bad you know and yeah a lot of people do that to survive a lot of people do that because they're like man I got no money my parents got no money I gotta go hustle I gotta go make money I gotta go find a way if you don't make a way you you drown and that's how basically my mind was at that moment yo i wasn't old enough to have a job i wasn't old enough to do anything so he can't tell me go get a job like i'm 15 i'm 13 you know Yo, your parents, honestly, man, your parents should even have kicked you out at that age, man. And see, this is why I come to bring this this show to you guys. Because honestly, man, I'm a parent, though. Now that I know that weed is becoming more legalized, um, I got to be more, you know, more real with the ideas of what's happening in my society. Because if I, if I was like your parents and kicked my kids out at 13, man, at 13 over some marijuana... Like, yeah, if you was doing heroin and cocaine and, like, PCP and shit like that, yo, I would kick you out. But we're talking... Right, you had, like, a hype from a steal or something like that. Yeah. But all I want to do was just eat and chill and play video games. <laughs> and, you know, they put me out to a different, different route. Like, that wasn't even involved. Like, I seen shit like that in video games, but when I got there in real life, I'm like, damn. And that's why I stopped playing video games, because, like, my life is real. Like, there's things in life that you could actually live. And I appreciate that. I ain't gonna lie. I appreciate they did that, because now I would have been some fast slab playing video games. Yep. And, and now I'm more active. Like, I have a mind, like, ahead of time, you know? I have 
grown men that were like 30, 25. I was 14, 13, treating me like an OG, me and my brother, because we had to. It was like, at, at 12 o'clock when that street light turned on, all the kids went home to their parents. We just had to stay out there because his parents were out there too. So, you know, so it was like, that was a, a, like my new lifestyle. Yeah. So, so fast forward all that, you know, because I've been through that shit when I was young. But when I got to like 16, 17, I started wising up just and just chill, violent and be, you know, like, I don't know how to say it, like, just not think negative and not think, like, everything has to do with, like, bad things. Like, because everything around me, it was bad, you know, it was nothing, like, good. It was only a little bit good, and but that good don't last. Yeah. So, fast forward time, that when Wiz Khalifa came out, I gotta say, and, and probably nobody said that, probably they do, but in Kid Cudi, I feel like marijuana started being more accepted. Mostly <laughs> like, with Wiz Khalifa. He showed the world, like, hey, I could be a businessman, I could do all this stuff and, and be successful and still smoke weed. And people started being like, okay, he is being successful. And I noticed that class started feeling there around me. Like, there's people that used to, kids that used to be my age, like, around that time, probably like 15, 16, around there. And I was in high school. And they were, like, telling me and my brother and some other friends were, like, outcasts. Like, oh, y'all smoke weed, y'all crackheads, y'all, y'all gonna fail, y'all, la, la, y'all ain't gonna do nothing with your lives. And the same kids, a couple years later, when Wiz Khalifa came out and they got popular, were the same kids smoking. But we were already ahead of our time, right? When they were smoking Ooh. their first joint, we were already been had ounces and whatever I had to do at, you know? And so it's like, that shit ain't nothing to us. So they're trying to look up to us, like, oh, we want to learn from y'all all this stuff. And I was like, man, I don't know about, I don't chill with y'all like that, because y'all just trying to get, like, in the crowd. But the point was, like, because of Wiz Khalifa, life started getting a little better in the marijuana industry. Because I don't know what happened after that, but I noticed it when Wiz Khalifa came out. Because after that, I just started feeling people being cool with it. Like, you know, government officials and all whatever. You know, I, I could smoke outside my house after that. And it was like, probable passed by and they won't say nothing. Some of them would if they want to be dicks, but whatever. But some of them won't. They're like, am I going to be sitting down all, all this paperwork for you? So have you ever tried to play with, like, certain utensils in the house and just record a beat that way and then go to like an unky, funky old school style sound? Have you ever tried to, um, just when you're outside, you hear the leaves blowing? I mean, like, do these forms of nature, do these minor clings, clicks, you know, drops, um, do you ever think of a beat pattern off of those certain sounds? I mean, in one of your songs that you've done recently, have you found that kind of inspiration? Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Um, I've definitely done that. I've, uh, felt like stuff as far as just using my voice on with make the beats as well but but the the most recent song that i've done something like that with as far as like using a sound or utensil was uh time when i had like the, uh the clock sound in the uh it, it, i had the clock sound instead of having a um, hi-hat i used the clock sound and replaced it for that so um yeah like I, I definitely do stuff like that i feel like it brings the production uh more to life See that small little piece that you just said. You actually used your watch, the clicking sound from a clock. Yep. And used that for instead of a, a hi hat, or used it for a snare. Oh, yep. oh, dang, bro. That's different in itself, right there. Yep. Yep. Okay, that caught me off guard. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go listen to that little tick, man. I didn't know that was the actual sound, but that's dope. So you know, being in being around film a lot, you understand that some people when they do um, make noises for like film reels or like uh, horse horses running, 
that extra fighting kick punch in like those old martial arts movies, you realize that they they grab like random household appliances or product and it's and it brings more depth and more punch and that's crazy that you're implementing this into your to your music, man. So let me ask you this, because it's been said um, throughout history, most musicians, artists, or even storytellers often inebriate themselves as a tool of a creative outlet. How do you feel about using, um, in my profession, I prefer weed um, as a tool for making music or any other paint, um, graffiti, uh, you know, how do you feel about using an, any form of in, inebriation? Is is that a good thing, a bad thing? How do you feel about that? Um, I, I, I feel like I'm in between with it. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm right in the middle because I, I'm definitely one that, that, that smokes before I create. Like, not, not all the time, but most of the time. I say, like, 95% of the time I smoke before I, before I create. Right. Um, but um, I, I would say it, 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 it can't, like, it's, it's definitely, it's, 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 it's a good thing, but then it can be a bad thing if it becomes a, a, a dependency thing. Like, oh, I can't, I can't create unless I got this. Because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not at that stage where if I don't got, if I don't got no weed, I can't create. I can still create uh, whether I smoke or not. But if I do smoke, it's just gonna, it's, it's either I'm gonna do it faster. Or I'm gonna be able to like just just come up with more ideas, but uh, but it, it just enhances it pretty much. But it's not like a dependency. So I feel like yeah, long as it's, long as uh, it's used as an um, enhancement, then it's, it's 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 cool. But once it becomes a dependency, I feel like that's when it becomes a problem. See, and and I'm balancing too because at sometimes you know growing up, it wasn't that I was having a connect come through with a bag. And I'm like, yo, man, let me let me just get a a, a dub or a dime. It doesn't even matter, bro. And we go to like this little basement that we had to be in the studio. We just sit there and write stories, and we be high as shit, coming up with the most bizarre shit stuff, man. And then when it was dry, I'd still come up with the same creative juices, but it wasn't, I guess, more in the moment of being that you know that. I guess outside yourself feeling that that being high feeling it was more grounded and more thoroughly thought out type stuff because sometimes I do find myself when I do get inebriated with the marijuana that I do go above and beyond that 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 creative juice but as if I was just sober I do find myself sitting in the balance beam where I'm like all right cool I can bring that back down and it kind of it kind of put me in this divide now I know if I smoke, I'm getting that high, I'm getting that that extra creative feeling, that that dopamine, serotonin's flowing. But when I'm sober, I'm I'm getting that same serotonin dopamine feeling, but it's just not in hand. So it's like, all right, so the dependency is not an issue. It's not because we got artists that do it all the time, like Snoop Dogg. I mean, Snoop Dogg is hardcore, blowing trees all day, every day. Wiz Khalifa, you know what I'm saying? And the list goes on. Pac, back in the day, was in the studio always. You saw it. So when you, when you see these artists do it, 
it feels like it's almost oh you're a rapper I stereotype you and I associate to you smoking weed yeah I mean so yeah. does that feel like maybe just the market's just pushing out this this ideal that you have to smoke weed just to be an artist <laughs> um you asking do I do I feel like the uh, industry is pushing like marketing it that way? Yeah, I mean, yeah, just hold because you said it in some of your songs that you do, they they want to market me in a certain way, but you know what? Nah, this is this is not me. Just your ap- approach to that whole demeanor. It's like you don't. I'm not gonna succumb to your your contracts. It's not happening. You're not gonna let me do what I want to do. You're not gonna let me say what you want me to say. And it's like this whole perception, you know, in that creative juice atmosphere, which is the studio, it tends to go down that, you know, you're smoking weed nine times out of ten. Or whatever that person may be doing. But you you're 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 getting that hands down. Now do you feel like that has become our industry standard? Because you can go to a classical um Class, classical pianist class and they won't teach this in front of them they won't they won't record with you being high like that I've seen it but when you're in yeah. <laughs> you're in a different atmosphere you know you know what I'm talking about yeah I know um yeah I feel like I feel like it's it's uh it's one of those unwritten things that's that's, that's a part of hip hop um and R&B too um uh, I, feel, I, I don't necessarily think that it's a thing where it's. Well, I don't know. I can't because I can't. I can't even really say that. But yeah, I, I feel like it's definitely one of those things that's a part of uh, hip hop. I feel like now it, it's kind of like studio and weed is kind of synonymous <laughs> to each other. It's like it, it's almost as if you really can't have one without the other in, in a lot of cases. Because I can like I, can, I can't even really remember a session that I've been to in the past that, that didn't have no weed smoking it, period. Like, maybe like once, once, once or twice, but that's because the producer, he didn't smoke. And so, so of course, he didn't have, and it was his studio, so he didn't, he would let people smoke outside the studio, but not inside. Yeah. yeah. Other it's, than that, though, like, yeah. I, it's I it's become, it's become the market. Uh, and, and when I start, know, when I start learning about markets, I want to, dive in this because most music consists of so many different products and going to film school we used to learn about product placement movies um most of the products that were being taken like the marble man that couldn't go on tv anymore so what they do they put them in movies so when i start seeing stuff like that you start watching movies you you see that friendly reminder oh that's coca-cola oh they got a versace bag Oh, they got Gucci bands. Oh, and it becomes relatable. So when we when we know that we're going to the studio to smoke weed, we get it. But when you make a song, we'll be right back with no show steady, no show steady, no show steady, no show steady. Stay tuned. Let me ask you this: When or at what age did you find yourself being a creator? And when you were being this young creator or being this individual who wanted to create, Smokey, when at what age did you find yourself being that creator? No product placement, 
You know what I'm saying? None of that. Just being you and you wanted to express the words and feelings. I would say as far as wanting to like artistry and all that and just creating, um, I would say around about eight, seven. Like I said, I had been doing music before then, but all I was doing before then was just playing drums at the church and stuff like that. But when I started writing and stuff like that, it was probably around like around like eight. And what were you listening to around then? Like what kind of what kind of music? Oh uh, man, I was um I was listening to a lot of R and B at the time because I, I like I said I originally started out just singing on, but I wanted to start out <laughs> as a rapper. So, but I was I was listening to a lot of R and B. But as far as rap, during that time, I was listening to the to the to the lows of that time, the the little bow wows. <laughs> I love the new. I love the old Kanye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The college dropout and graduation, late yeah. registration, like all that. That was that was my shit. That was my zone. <laughs> Hell yeah! Wake up, Mr. West. That was right. it. <laughs> so let me ask. Let me put this in perspective. Then, what was the feeling like when you made your first song after learning the right, learning the the ins and outs, the hymns, the the sonnets, the the haikus, the poetic art form in writing what was the feeling like when you made your first song and how many times did you play it after it was mastered man i felt i felt like i was goddamn timberland for real <laughs> <laughs> i felt like i was everybody i felt like i was trey song <laughs> my first song was an r&b song okay and, um i was saying uh, my first song it was a uh, r&b song and um I used to, I, cause I used to be in a singing group, and so we had did a song together. But yeah, uh, yeah. After doing that, man, I, 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 I felt like I was, I felt like I was on my way. But uh, I listened to it, Whew, man. I can't, I can't even. I lost count of how many times I listened to that song, man. Like I, I, I really can't even tell you. I know it was well over a hundred times. Definitely well over a hundred times. <laughs> Do you still get that same feeling when you make music today? I mean, oh you, yeah. You still keeping that energy, that that enjoyment. Cause numbers, oh, yeah, numbers yeah, will yeah. mess with people's heads, man. Like when you yeah. when you look at putting out something, you like, you know, this is one of my favorite joints, you know. And then you look at the numbers, it's like, hmm. Right. It has that psyche on you, you know. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. So, yeah. I um get that same uh, same excitement, and then the thing is too is like the difference now is that I'm I'm starting to get some reception from it, so it brings a different excitement for me because it's like now when I create, it's like oh man, I know they're gonna love this one. Especially <laughs> if, they, if they like this one, then I know they're gonna love this one. So it, it, it's a it's a it's just a, it's a different or oh, added element to it of excitement, like when I create now. So people are a an essential element to your life, right? So understanding that you are essential to yourself. You start analyzing the things that you may have done on one song 
or maybe for me, may, maybe on a on a show or a script or a story, and whatever the the audiences give me feedback on, I, I see what they like and what they want, and then I just incorporate that into my creative juices down the road for the next show, the next story, and it kind of lets you know where your mind is, man, in a weird way. You sit there and you'll play with analytics, you'll look at how many plays at what time of the day it was played, what, you know, genus population is playing it you know geographically where is this being played the most and you're like huh maybe i need to make a a nigerian congo beat or something you know what i'm saying or like a switzerland um high pitch i don't know whatever they playing accordions dude but it's it's just like you start marketing yourself does that ever spurt your your inspiration? Like, does that limit? Feel like it limits you because you gotta stick to a zone. Maybe you're making too much in one song. Maybe you're not doing enough. I feel like it helps ultimately because because I can tell you from personal experience. Like for a long time, I did not have a a straight focus, or I really didn't know what people wanted from me or really liked from me because I really didn't have. A, I didn't have a, due to the fact that I that I rap and sing like. I had like big extremes, so it's like I, I didn't know if, if, if they wanted straight up bars for me, do they want a nigga to straight up sing, whatever. Even though I, I definitely wasn't gonna just choose one over the other because I, I, I love both of them equally. But um, even to the content, content wise, it's like okay, I still didn't even know like what what type of subjects really fit for me to really um go into. So when I did actually drop my album, like this album really kind of showed me what people want for me. And like I said, I've been doing this, I've been doing music. Like, uh, as far as the artistry side now for about 12 years but I'm just now really coming into knowing what the people want from me and thankfully what the people want from me is what I want to give them so it kind of works out in both ways and so um, I would say it helps because now it gives you a focus of a, a it gives you a target rather than it's kind of like I hate to use this example but it's just the first one that comes to mind it's just like if somebody's going to shoot somebody right it's, it's, it's better that they have that target of who they shooting rather than just shooting out in the crowd because it's like you know you now you just kind of ruin you just kind of just doing whatever you're targeting so your you audience target, you can hit right on what you what you need like it's, it's it's like going into the store and knowing exactly what to get rather than just putting everything in your buddy right and you got a bunch of stuff in there that's not even your style so it's like it, yeah it, once it gives you that target and it gives you that focus now you know exactly where to go it's like your gps it's like okay now i I know how to move. I know what, what 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 streets I don't need to turn on because this ain't my street. You know what I'm saying? So it, it just kind of gives you that focus. I feel like everybody needs that needs that target. It, it, it sounds bad when they put it in the whole marketing or whatever because it sounds gimmicky. But at the end of the day, it's, if this it's what it is, and it's, and it's, it's part of you. Like yeah. it, it, I feel like it helps. So because you know who you who you get the interest of is simple right. like it's exactly. it's not a, and, but that's that's what we know that being in the capitalist world you get that ideal that everything you do could be capitalized hands down like all the ugly stuff, all the negative media that gets played, it gets capitalized, man. Newspapers get it. Inter- interviews talk about it. You got it on the websites. People just blogging, man. You get dirty publicity. It's still publicity. It's still cashing. And that's the scary part too. That is because you, where do you know where your where your line is? You start bringing in new clientele, then you start seeing where they're from, and then you start losing the old people because you're coming in with the new stuff and it's just not relatable because a lot of artists do it man they try to branch out and reach new genres they're getting the longy they're feeling the the new curve in the elements 
And yeah. you got to be careful, man. You, you got to be careful out here, especially being a content creator or a musician or an entertainer. Because how many actors played a role that ended their career? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Smokey, it's been a pleasure, man, having you on the show. Stuff, man. I, I appreciate you having me on, man. So where where can people find you, bro? Um, they can follow me uh, on Instagram at Smokey the Vintage. There's S-M-O-K-E-Y-T-H-E-V-E-N-T-H-E-E. And um, and they can also search for me on uh, all streaming platforms. Same thing as uh, Smokey Bitches. Welcome. These secrets in my head Oh, how they burden me These secrets in my head Burn with urgency If I tell you one or two or three Can you keep them between you and me? Uh, back and ready for action I'm stunting with lots of passion This right here is more than rapping This is everyday what's happening Let me take you to the past When I was sitting on the back And y'all was talking, y'all was laughing But intimidated sadly The underdog in me was hungry, ready to eat So it was nothing to beef A full course at the feast I underestimated me physically, even mentally Can't stomach my own pedigree Go vegan for the salary Lot of years grinding like I'm skateboard P Many sucker record labels gonna have to pardon me Had to build my own studio for what they charging me They can never lock me out when I mastered all my keys Don't rate me if I solatito, I need me some more of C-Notes I solo and hit the lead, no crescendo and hit the wheat slow Third eye with the vision, I triple the 2020 And make a movie so vivid, I paint the picture with lyrics Catch up Vanity, fantasy calling me Got the mind on my money, more money on my mind Vanity, fantasy calling me Got the mind on my money, more money yeah. on my mizzine Every time I burn one, you can smell the smell of sweet revenge Trouble on the double up, my crisis is a set of twins Think that I can't handle them like Avatar, you got me bent You must not know about smoke event, let's change the temperature a bit Loving haters in the room Watch how they emotions change when I reach my new interlude Question marks upon their faces, that's a silent interview And I got the answers when I do what I was sent to do On a mission like double O Seven, I'm a golden gun, handsome but dangerous though Cold hearted, I can sell snow to an Eskimo I'm walking on thin ice, therefore I keep my cool Grown man swag, let me show you what that about A cup full of whiskey and a two-step to jazz it out Only grade A when I took it and on the road My taste is so expensive, I can eat me a pot of gold Vanity, fantasy calling me Got the mind on my money, more money on my mind Vanity, fantasy calling me Got the mind on my money, more money on my mizzine